Well, here we are once again at World Cup Coffee and Tea at Northwest 18th in Gleason for another OMN Coffee Shop Conversation. I'm Tom D'Antoni. I have interviewed thousands of people, and I have never met one more gracious than the guy who is joining us today. Now, you have heard Eddie Martinez guitar on dozens upon dozens of big hits. Maybe you didn't know it. From Mick Jagger to Robert Palmer, and that's yes, that was him crunching on Addicted to Love. He was one of the premier session guitarists when he lived in New York. He still gets calls, but he's been a Portlander for a long time now. Ever wonder what goes on in those sessions and how session players have to be part chameleon and part singular artists? Well, we'll find out. Let's meet Eddie Martinez. Martinez, nice to see you again. Good seeing you, Tom. It always is. It always is. Um, welcome to the cupping room. Yeah, man. Here at Coffee's the doing good. World yeah. Cup Coffee and Tea. It's working. Northwest 18th and Gleason. <laughs> world Cup and World Class. Yeah, man. <laughs> uh, so, let's, let's, get, uh, let's get to some news. Uh, there's rumors going around that you are working on a new album. Yeah, I uh, began uh, in February. Really? Uh, middle of uh, February. Uh-huh. And I had Carmine Rojas... And uh, Tal Bergman from L.A. fly up. Wow. And uh, um, Carmine's, uh, you know, we go way back, you know, uh-huh. to our LaBelle days. We played together in, in, yeah. uh, in LaBelle uh-huh. and also worked together with Nona Hendrix. And we did a bunch of different sessions. And he's mostly, mostly known for his work with Joe Bonamassa as of, of, as of late, uh-huh. as well as all the work on, with Bowie. Uh-huh. Uh, Let's Dance and the whole Sears Moonlight and yeah. we go back and you know he's worked with John Lennon and John Wade and uh, Julian Lennon and John Wade and uh-huh. and uh, and just countless other people's people and, uh, and artists so uh, yeah and uh, he's just really like a brother of mine you know really uh-huh. we're very good friends uh-huh. even though I may not see him for a year or two but yeah. you know it's one of All those right. kind of things when you, you have a kindred you, spirit and yeah. you know in music yeah. and and you know you may not see see him for a couple of years it's like boom you just pick up where you left off exactly it's like in the middle thing. of a conversation yes yeah. and tal bergman on drums uh-huh. and uh um we cut eight tracks and we just a trio uh yeah mostly a trio had oh, ram yeah. is playing on some oh, local yeah. you know uh-huh. keyboard wizard here yes in, uh, in the Portland. one and only. Yes, the one and only. <laughs> and, a uh, singular personality. Exactly, indeed. <laughs> and uh, yeah, he, he put his magic on a couple of tunes. Uh-huh. And uh, so it's going well. I'm, I'm in overdub mode and just, you know, putting guitars on. And wow. really, it's, it's really, it, it's, it's an amalgam of, of, of things and styles. And, really? Uh, yeah, it, you know, the things that are definitely bluesy and things that I'm, you know, uh, that I'm taking, kind of like trying to merge like a, uh-huh. like a big rock, you know, but with like a, a bass lines that are more like walking, walking jazz bass lines, really? along and trying to really kind of wow. meld a um, you know heavy guitar along with that kind of mindset, uh-huh. you know, and uh, that's fun. And there's some things that are kind of like thematic, like film score uh-huh. uh, music, and because uh-huh. uh, you're a big Morricone fan, Morricone and yeah. Thomas Newman yeah. and uh, yeah. Lyle Workman too is another um, you know young cat who I've known for you know about 20, yeah. 25 years. He used to be in a band called Bourgeois Tag and uh-huh. mostly, mostly known for his film score work, you know, uh, yeah. um, 
the forty-year-old virgin and yeah. super bad and yeah, yeah. and all that. And uh -huh. So I'm um, not. I, it was nice to see Morricone get the Oscar. Yes, I'm not a Tarantino fan, yeah. but but it was really wonderful to see him. You know, see him neither get up am there. I. Yeah, I'm not a Tarantino no, fan. No, I just uh, I, I don't gravitate towards his films generally. Um, well, you know, I think many people who grew up in 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 the East Coast in in in, in that environment uh, where you have to check your back every minute, which I did. And, you yeah, know, and I you grew up in the South Bronx. Yeah. yeah okay. So. Well, fine. Tarantino seems always seemed bogus to me. I could say, yeah, I kind of feel that too. Yeah. I feel that, you know, I, I, I don't really feel an authenticity. Yeah. Uh, but it was so great to see Morricone get honored. Morricone After all is, this time. is a genius. Yeah. And uh, his work, I mean, the work that he did with Bertolucci and, and uh -huh. all that is just, uh -huh. is just incredible. You still playing Deborah's theme? I haven't played it. I haven't played it in a while with yeah. my band. It, yeah. uh, I need to revisit that. Yeah. But it was really, it was really fun to play that. I'm sure it was. Yeah. 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 I'm a big fan of Thomas Newman too. Uh huh. Uh, uh -huh. Does a lot of film work. Yeah. Um, yeah. He did uh, Bridge of Spies. Yeah. Shawshank Redemption. Uh -huh. American Beauty. Yeah. Yeah. You know, just very, very uh, brilliant composer who writes. That you know, the, what you're describing sounds fabulous musically. And from a marketing standpoint, also. Yeah, it's, it's, it's no, just I mean, really I mean, incredible. It's, I'm sure it'll stand on its own artistically. Yes. You know, but it's, it's such a great idea, you know, to, 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 to be blending styles. Oh, I I indeed. And, and, you know, it's also a testament to the directors of these films who really pick the, the people yeah. that do the music. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Ryuichi for your album. Oh, oh, yeah. I'm just, you know, that stuff kind of like, you listen to it and, and, and you're so moved by it. You know, it, it it's, you, you just absorb it yeah. one way or another in terms of of um, melodies. Yeah, and I'm textures. talking about the variety of stuff that you just described. Oh, to me. you know, when I look you at know? my career, I just think about yeah. you know, okay, yeah. I start out as a kid, you know, uh, 19 years old, uh, on Columbia Records with this band called Mother Night, uh -huh. you know, which was really a hybrid Jamaica funk, you know, Jamaica yeah. Queens yeah. kind of yeah. type of funk, yeah. but uh -huh. also had strong jazz influences as well. So it was just marriage you know five horns and you know and a funky rhythm section and you know and we, we put a, a, out a record on Columbia Records and then from there you know I went to work with LaBelle and that was you know hearing Patty and Nona and Sarah sing every night was just like yeah. there was there wasn't a night that I didn't get goosebumps on stage just I'm being sure. yeah. as a musician on stage because you know yeah. for some you know the, the the vibe may get old but never because it was never the same uh -huh. and uh -huh. and uh, they pushed the envelope uh, every night, yeah. so you felt what they were doing, and uh, yeah, I saw them just around the time that Nightbirds came out. Mm -hmm. I couldn't. It was. I'll never. I'll never forget the night. Oh, you know, you know it's. Yeah. I think those three, those three ladies, their blend was as close as you can to like a sibling blend, as I call. Like uh -huh. say the uh -huh. the Bee Gees or the Everly Brothers or something like that. You know, there's just something. There's something in the DNA, you know. Yeah, yeah. I recall working on a on a on a Bee Gees record with uh, Hugh Padgham uh -huh. uh, years ago, maybe 18, 19 years ago. Yeah. And um, and uh, they they came to New York. The, the Bee Gees didn't come, but they brought their <laughs> the Pro Tools <laughs> audio files, and we just had a band, you know, in, yeah. in the studio, and and so we played along to their voices. Uh -huh. and, and when you hear those voices soloed, it's just like, oh my God, 
It's really, really magical. Wow. Magical. Yeah. And, and when I when I hear Nat, Anona, Patty, Patty and Sarah uh-huh. sing together, it, w- it was really as if they were sibling. They were. And the thing about LaBelle was they all had something to say. Oh, yeah. They had a real point of view. Indeed. You know? Well, I mean, known as a poet yeah. you know, to begin with, and she's still doing incredible yeah. work. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and Patty uh, saw her recently uh, in the, right here. Oh, this past uh, last uh-huh. summer, I think, last uh-huh. September, I believe. Uh-huh. And uh, just amazing. I mean, still, still bringing it. Did you go say hi? Uh, I didn't get a chance to say hi. Uh-huh. It was a flash and dash thing for her, so yeah, she, yeah. she bolted. But had dinner with some, uh, some of my friends that still play with her. Really? Yeah. Wow, to, really? To this day? That's amazing. Yes, Jose Rossi, who's their percussionist, has been there on and off for since 76. And Jose's a brilliant percussionist, worked with Weather Report, with Omar Hakim and Victor Bailey. What's that his name? version? Uh, Jose Rossi. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's one of my best buds, too. Wow, cool. Yeah. Cool. So we had dinner. It was great seeing him. Yeah. 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 Um, so getting back to your, your t- <laughs> getting back to the new album. Yeah. <laughs> how did we get? How did we get yeah. away from? Oh yeah, that was good. <laughs> um, so uh, how far along are? Oh, you're, so you're 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 mixing it now? Or no, you, no, you, I'm, you, I'm, you, over, I'm an overdub. I'm I'm putting yeah, uh, additional on. guitars yeah, on, yeah, solos yeah. and yeah. textures and yeah. and really being real. It's you know. The process is, is fascinating in, in terms of the new way things are done. Uh-huh. I miss tape, you know, but there's some uh, brilliant things that, that go on with the current technology. Yeah, of, of yeah. really what do you miss about tape? Uh, I think I miss the sound mostly. Oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's something to tape. Uh, it's, it's a beautiful canvas to work on. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and uh, there's, there's harmonic distortion on tape that is pleasant to the ear. Yes. And... Um, in the digital realm, you need to add that, whether it's a plug, plug-in yeah. compressor or limiter or whatever. Yeah, yeah, you have to add that because you know it, 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 it it'll just give you back what you what you give it. But there are variances in terms of how it comes back to you. Yeah, yeah. you know, and it, 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 at times it could be a bit strident. You don't want to get yeah. digital distortion <laughs> you no. know, when you're recording. No. But when you get distortion recording in the al- analog realm. Uh, there are types of yeah. distortion that are good and pleasing yeah. and could be used as a as a as a color as well yeah tape editors were surgeons they were brain surgeons they were oh. micro brain surgeons oh, the, the, what they a could good do. engineer back in the day yeah. had to know how to edit yeah and he, that means editing on the two inch yeah that's what, that's what, that, I, that's what I mean yeah, yeah oh yeah, absolutely yeah. Yeah. that's a that's lost art I, 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 I yeah I, I'm sure you've seen, seen guys just like Take a, actually take a track out, cut the track out literally mm-hmm. in the middle of the tape. Well, yeah, I mean, if yeah. you're, it's you're, you're just really editing. They're wide, you know. You know yeah, yeah. 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 You're, you're editing a song. You need to make. The, you need to shave twenty seconds off of a yeah. piece of music. Finding yeah. that yeah. that proper downbeat where you where mm-hmm. you splice yeah. is is uh, that's, that's surgery. Really, really, and. and uh, it was, well, it was that way in, in, in radio, too. I, I, I did a, uh, a very highly produced radio show with tons and tons of edits in it. And uh, my, uh, my colleague was just one of those guys w- w- with a razor blade. And it's, it's, it's brilliant. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's incredible. Now, nowadays, you know, editing is like, in, you know, you're cutting right. and pasting and, yeah. you know, yeah. everything yeah. is there and yada, yada. <laughs> <laughs> you know, regardless of what you do, you yeah. know, you always have that file as a backup or something. Excuse you know? me, could you close the door? 
Um, that's an edit. <laughs> no, actually, actually, that's real. Okay. That's real. I don't, I don't edit these things. They just oh, go. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, unless, uh, like, uh, Curtis was here with his new album, and he, uh, you know, and take were, a, you were playing a track. Yeah, and, you playing know, a track. But anyway, um, so... So it's just going to be, you're not going to add any more musicians? No horns or anything? Uh, no horns. Really? No. Maybe if I do, it'll probably be a solo horn or something like that. Uh-huh. Um, I, I love horns, but sometimes the pairing of horns with guitars, I just find uh-huh. I, I need the guitar to be front and center. Yeah. yeah you know, yeah, and yeah. Uh, horn sections can gobble up a lot of frequencies. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> and, uh, you know, a power trio um, with a horn, just, it, it, it's, I don't find it particularly uh-huh. um, uh, appealing right now. So it may in the future. Uh-huh. So yeah. Ramsey's putting keys on it? Yeah, he's putting some, some roads and some textures on a couple of things and some organ on, uh-huh. on, on a tune as well. Uh-huh. You know, so. so what are the songs about? Oh, the songs are... are wow, the songs are... Um, is a song that... Uh, that I, uh, a, 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 not a song, but actually a piece of music that I composed for my fiance. It's called Akosia, and it's a Ghanaian uh, uh, name. Uh, it means a girl born on a Sunday, uh-huh. you know, and uh, it's called Akosia. And uh, I'm really happy with, with the way it's coming out. And um, uh, it's, uh, it's more like a thematic kind of thing, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, when people hear it, you see, it sounds like kind of film scorey you know it's just a, a melody there's going to be interesting percussion uh-huh. and guitar melodies and textures and things like that and uh, so I'm looking forward to that and there's a song for my daughter um, a song it's called a song for Mia and that's another instrumental ah. you know uh-huh. and um, songs are going to be about a wide variety of things of, of you know uh, of where my life has led me my uh-huh. challenges my failures uh-huh. Uh, all those kind of things lyrically, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and you'll be doing the vocals? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I sang before I played guitar, you know, professionally. Really? Yeah. With who? Um, uh, myself and bands. <laughs> <Just> top 40, <laughs> you know. And then, you know, when I used to, uh, rec- uh, when I used to tour with Robert, uh-huh. I'd sing backgrounds with him live. Uh-huh. And, um, and I love singing vocals. I love, I love singing. That's a real... It's an incredible process, you know. And I, I sang on my, my first solo album that I that I put out, uh, gee, in 1984. Uh-huh. That uh, Bernard Edwards, um, yeah. the bassist from Chic, yeah. uh, uh, was a brilliant uh, musician and producer, uh-huh. uh, produced, and um, I got to work with him on a quite a bit of uh-huh. records sure. through the years. And uh, a dear friend, very very, you know, it was a, it was a huge loss. Yeah. And miss him. He was, he was a real good guy. Yeah, you know, and a mentor as well. Oh. That's how I really learned how to make records. Really, was from working with him. Huh. You know, and uh, you just learn by just you know observing. Right. Yeah. Right. right. Incredible. Right. I mean, you can't you you can't you you can't you can't buy that kind of shit. No. You know what I mean? No, you can't. <laughs> and you can't get it in school either. No, you can't. No, you cannot. No, no you, you got you got to go to the real school. Yes. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, so uh, when is it going to come out? Do you think? I'm hoping late summer, uh-huh. uh, early fall. Great. That's, that's the projected uh, uh-huh. date, and I uh, need to go back in and do my arc welding, as I call it. You know, and uh, what's you that? Know, you know, you know, with those cats put the acetylene torch. Yes. Yes. 
<laughs> you know, get to work, you know. And, uh, and uh, yeah, and, you know, so I'm thinking late, late summer, early fall. And uh, I'm, I'm so looking forward to just uh, yeah. getting this stuff out of me because I really want to just put stuff out there. It's been, uh -huh. it's been so long since I've, uh, you know, I've put out anything out there you know in terms of music and whether it was my solo album or the band that I had I had a band uh, with uh, Bernard and yeah. Tony Thompson and Jeff Bova yeah. and Robert Hart uh, mm -hmm. in the, around 1989 it was on Warner's Reprise and was called Distance and it was a it was really very cool record um, for that time I, I think it was really a strong LP it just didn't uh, uh, it, it didn't click didn't click with the label. They didn't really do the right things. You know, boy, we've all heard that story before. Yes. You know, yeah. and, um, but I was so looking forward to making a second album and it just didn't, it just didn't happen. We weren't, we were so displeased with what had happened on the first with, yeah. uh, and you know, it's, it's so, it's so odd, you know, they're hearing it in the process. Everybody's flipping out, everybody's loving it and it comes out and it wasn't promoted properly. And it's, yeah. you know, it's one of those things that just, uh, falls by the wayside right you know I've been there before you know we all have yes exactly yeah, exactly yeah, yeah. Um, well that would be a nice round of gigs to play around 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 the release huh yeah I'm looking forward to do you know to doing tour? some shows uh, you know I'm really looking forward to focusing on strategically you know maybe doing some things in, in the Far East really uh, uh, Japan I love Japan huh. I've been there in quite a while uh -huh. and um, why is that Oh, well, because I've worked with a lot of Japanese artists through the uh -huh. years, so I've recorded yeah. there, I've toured there, uh -huh. and I have a wonderful affinity um, for, for Japan, and uh, love playing there. I'd love to really focus on that, Europe as well, and I uh, really want to do some strategic gigs, you know? I don't really want to go out on a six-month tour or anything like that. Uh -huh. You know, I really want uh -huh. it to be strategic and kind of planned in terms of regions, and, uh, uh -huh. and uh, really need to focus on really, you know, promoting the record and really, you know, getting it out there, having people hear it and, you know, market it. And, uh, you know, I really want to put out a lot of vinyl on this record, too. I really want it really? to be like, yeah, I really want it to be nice. like a, a vinyl tip kind of thing. Well, great. You know? So, yeah, I love vinyl. You got to love vinyl. Oh, gosh. The funny thing is it's coming, it's back now. Yeah. <laughs> you know. I still have my first LP I ever bought. Which was what? Beatles Revolver. Really? Yeah, the Revolver album. Mine was Dance Till Quarter to Three with Gary U.S. Bonds. Oh, man. Yeah. Uh, one of these days, one of these days, I'm going to do a lengthy piece for somebody, maybe Mojo, mm -hmm. on the that Norfolk sound that came all that, that stuff all came out of Norfolk, Virginia, mm -hmm. from a guy named Frank Guida, who was from New York City, okay, and who he was either chased out or, <laughs> or I don't know why he moved to Norfolk. Right? I did a gig with Gary Bonds when I was really? like 17 years old. I was yeah. playing in a, a rock and roll revival. There used oh, to yeah. be a guy named yeah. Richard Nader, I think. His oh, name yeah, was. sure. He used to do these rock yeah, and roll yeah, revival yeah, shows. Yeah. And I was playing in a band that had, I think, a, a couple of uh, ex-members of uh, Joey D and the Starlighters. Oh, boy. And we were doing <laughs> a lot of oldies. A yeah, lot of, yeah, yeah. And we were playing in a club called Harlow's, which I think was on... I think on the Upper East Side of Manhattan, and and then lo and behold, like I get asked to do this one-off gig in Ohio uh -huh. with this rock and roll revival thing. I mean, uh -huh. it was like the Dovells <laughs> and Ruby and the Romantics, <laughs> Chuck Berry. Uh, uh, I mean, on, uh, uh, Joey D did yeah. a gig and Gary Bonds, Little yeah. Eva. Yeah. I mean, all these just right. 
huge stars from that from that yeah, time. Yeah. And I was this young pup, man. I was like still <laughs> in high school. I had to ask my mom and dad it was okay if I could take a day off because we left on a Friday. I think the gig was on a Saturday. And so it was a long weekend for me. And uh, it was quite an experience. Yeah, that whole story was funny because he, he had been in the Navy and went to Trinidad, heard of Calypso, this guy Frank Guida. Oh, okay. Went back to New York and was turned into turned himself this Italian guy right mm-hmm. turned himself into a calypso singer then for some reason he had to he had to move to Norfolk we don't know why right but and he opened a record store okay which is generally a mob activity mm-hmm. but <laughs> but you know it was it was it was in a black neighborhood cuz you know he was and he was in love with the music and uh, the musicians would hang out and he put a band together. The, the main guy was Gene Barge, Daddy G from the Gary Osbons okay. um, tunes. And uh, then he found this guy and renamed him Jimmy Soul and had a big hit with a Calypso tune, If You Want to Be Happy for the Rest of Your Life. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You want to be happy for the rest of yeah. your life. And it was this, nobody had a sound like his like like Frank Guida's um music because it was like really poorly recorded. <laughs> and he used to have a lot of people talk, yelling and screaming and stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And the horns were really poorly recorded, but it was beautiful. You know, because, it, you know, and, um, uh, and, uh, he did, he did, Jimmy Soul did a, a, a version of Matilda, which I play on the radio a lot. Matilda, she, instead of She Take Me Money and Run Venezuela, she, she'd take me money and move to Las Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, enough of that. <laughs> Great story. <laughs> yeah. uh, so I'm, I actually want to you know, find out more, like mm-hmm. whatever happened. And I, know, I know Guida's dead, but, mm-hmm. but I know Gary. Uh, Gary's, Gary's still alive. Cool. Uh, and you remember Springsteen? Oh, he's a big fan. Huge big fan. fan. Yeah, said Gary U.S. Bond saved rock and roll. Well, it was Frank Guida that saved rock and roll, but still, it's true. He got it out there. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Right. He was in town. He, was, he performed here about a week ago, I believe. Who? Uh, uh, Springsteen. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I missed the show. Yeah. Okay, so. <laughs> um, I did an interview with um, Sam Moore one time. Okay. Of Sam and Dave. Yep. And... He, I, so I, and I asked him, how did Isaac Hayes run those sessions? Because Isaac Hayes run, ran all the Sam and Dave sessions. Right. He was the, because he, he was at Stax. He was yes, really he the was man. Yes, he was arranger and all that Everything, stuff. Everything, yeah. yeah. And so he told me, and it was really interesting, and, um, I, and I've always liked to, to, to find that stuff out. You mm-hmm. know? Now, I'm not going to go down the list. <laughs> And okay. say, oh, what about him? And what about him? What about him? What about him? Mm-hmm. But it would be interesting to find out how some of these really famous sessions went down that, that you were in, like the Robert Palmer sessions. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, uh, was who was in charge? Well, well, Bernard produced the the, the, the first album that yeah. I had uh, uh, worked on with Robert, which was called Riptide. Yes. And I had um, I had first met Robert. Robert opened up for LaBelle one time in Las Vegas. We were playing the Aladdin uh-huh. Hotel there. Yeah. And uh, Robert Palmer opened up the show. And uh, I got to speak with him briefly, but it was just, you know, I just spoke with him briefly, it was funky. And, and then flash forward, you know, fast forward to, yeah. you know, 1983 or so, uh-huh. he was making the Power Station album. Yeah. 
and I was doing some overdubs, I believe, on Mick Jagger's album at, at Power Station, uh -huh. which to me is just a shrine, and I hear it maybe up for sale. Oh, it's boy. Just, sorry, you know. It's called Avatar now. Well, I digress, and uh, so... I, I heard Bernard was in the, in the, Listen, in the a digression from you is very valuable. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I heard uh, Bernard was up recording with Power Station and Tony Thompson. Uh, those are two dear friends of mine. Tony and I played in LaBelle together. You know, we go back to our really beginnings in the music business. And um, so I went up just to shoot the shit, say hi, how you doing, mm -hmm. you know. And so, and I'd known uh, Andy and John uh, since my time with Blondie, because they opened up for us. That's a whole other story. You yeah. Know? But uh, nice guys, and John John Taylor's an absolute gent, and I know Andy, he's, he's, a, you know, he's a funny cat, man. Yeah. Haven't seen him in many years. But um, I just say hi. So I started talking with Robert. He says, oh, I've heard about you. He says, uh, you know, I'm getting re ready to do my solo album in a few months. Would you be interested in playing? I says, sure, absolutely. Let's yeah. do it. You know, so uh, the first... Th the majority of that first album was done in the Bahamas at Compass Point, mm -hmm. and Robert literally lived right across the street from Compass Point. Mm -hmm. So uh, the process was, he went down there and, and um, for about maybe just three, four days, we kind of hung out. And mm -hmm. He played me some of the demos, things that he had put, on, put to tape. So I heard, you know, the raw versions of, you know, uh, Addicted to Love and mm -hmm. this and that. Yeah. I just started hearing stuff, and Robert was very, very free in terms of, um, he was very precise, but he was also very free. Mm -hmm. So, um, he had a, you know, it, it wasn't, his, his, when he would describe something, it wasn't, you know, in some sort of metaphorical term, which is totally cool, you know, it's, yeah. you know uh, yeah. but it was more precise, like, so, well, gee, you know, I'm hearing this chord with this mm -hmm. note in there, you know, mm -hmm. so you know, can you, can you add that note there? So it was very precise in terms of direction, yeah. but he really gave me the full gamut. I, w I felt like a mad scientist when I was uh, huh. recording with him. And, and Bernard was there. Bernard was there. He was kind of like the governor. Yeah. You know, it, it, not only in, like the governor of a state, but he's more like the governor on a bus that it can't go past 65. <laughs> so, so, and that he knew, he, his ears were so big that he knew when, okay, We've got what we need. Mm. Anything more adding to this will be excess and wouldn't really be substantive to what is being... Knowing when to, where to stop is Knowing so where to important. stop. Oh, my God. It really is. Yeah. It really is. And Bernard always had a way of distilling what was being done. Mm -hmm. So it's really foundationally so... so impactful mm -hmm. and that was his gift to the whole process of really making things feel good bernard made records feel good yeah. and when records feel good you want to listen to it again and when you want you listen to it again you want to buy it yeah. you know it's, it's really exactly. it, that's that's the that's yeah. the connection there yeah. and uh so oh it was it was such a great great uh great process of, of making a record because it was really it was it was so structured i'll never forget uh, when we were cutting Addicted to Love and, and Robert said, Tony, can you open the sock symbol on three? And it just totally changed the whole way the, the, whole, the, way the whole track really? swung. Wow. Boom, pop, That's like the Addicted to Love, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah. And Tony played it exactly how he heard it and, and you know, put his big bamboo on it. And it was just, a, I knew it was a hit. 
Yeah. I knew it when we caught it. Really? Yeah. And I tell people there's certain tracks you don't know that are hit, that uh -huh. are hit when you caught it, and you're pleasantly surprised. And then some that you, you, you have a visceral yeah. feeling that this, yeah. oh man, this is going to be, yeah. it's going to be unbelievable. Did, did, uh, did they want you because uh, of that crunchy sound? Or, did, or was that something that you, was was that already part of, of what you played? It was it was part of what I played, but because I don't it's think it was foundational to that stuff. It, it is, it is. Uh, um, but I think Robert wanted me to play because I think he knew I was a versatile guitarist, mm -hmm. that I could play pop stuff, I could play funk stuff, and mm -hmm. I can play the big crunchy stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that uh, even though I think I'd done maybe some Run DMC stuff right around that same time. And that was like the first time big guitar was merged with right. rap. But I don't think rock that box, was the right? reason. Yeah, rock box. Yeah. Uh, that wasn't the reason. I think it was because of my versatility. Uh -huh. And uh, and I think Bernard had, you know, also mentioned that, you know, I would yeah. be perfect for it. Yeah, yeah. You know, so, uh, and I, I, to me, I, I look at that record as the first time I was really able to be me. Really? Yeah. And, wow. and, you know, because sometimes you need to be a chameleon. You yeah, know, you're playing yeah. on a funk track and, you know, hey. Well, but you had been around for a while. Yeah, yeah, I'd been yeah. around for a while. Yeah. Wow. And so in, in that, right in that whole era, right, right in that era was Ron DMC, uh -huh. uh, Steve Winwood. Yeah. Robert Palmer, David Lee Roth. Yeah. You know, it was a really, just some really, really big records. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And um, so, and, and the crunchy, crunchy sound was a part of it. And it was fun, you know. It was it was fun to really, kind of have a defined voice, really be prominent, uh -huh. you know. Oh yeah, yeah. That 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 song wouldn't wouldn't. That's 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 the song. Thank you. I think you know. Robert uh, dreamt that song. Really? Yeah. Wow. He addicted love came to him in a dream. <laughs> and he got up and wrote the the lights are on, but you're not home. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. It's incredible. Wow. So yeah, we'd listen to those, uh, listen to the demos. We'd put our own, do our own thing to it. We'd try to, you know, there was a very magical thing when I think about Bernard, myself, Tony, and Jeff Bova as a core yeah. rhythm, because yeah. that that was the that was the essence of the band that we uh -huh. we did a few years later, yeah. Uh, yeah. Distance, and there was something very very magical about when we would get in, together and cut tracks. It kind of yeah. swung in a different way. Yeah. And it was really fun huh. and, and uh, unique. Uh, the the marriage of of, of rock and, and and hip hop was was uh, revolutionary. Yeah, you know, it really was. Yeah, I mean, for a lot of not just musically. I mean, for a lot of reasons, you know. Y yeah, it's the first video ever played on MTV. It's yeah, just yeah. like really first. I I would imagine, you know, multi platinum. Uh, yeah. Thing and it, it it just really. But I mean, also like sociologically. Yeah, yeah, it was you know? a really interesting, yeah. interesting marriage. I'll tell you, when when we put it down, uh -huh. I thought it was really, really cool. Uh -huh. um, and Larry Smith, who wrote and produced that, uh, we did that at Green Green Street Recorders uh -huh. in Soho, and um, and it was just a. It, I I felt like wow, that was a good day's work. You know, I felt really <laughs> kind of satisfied that yeah. you know we yeah. got some really interesting stuff. I I had no idea that it was going to be, you know. Yeah. <laughs> You know, for some, I mean, it's like really, I, yeah. Who would have thunk it? You I know, know. To be honest with I you, know, I know. You know, and uh, and those are one of those things that I didn't think it was going to be huge, but yeah. I had all sorts of friends of mine in the business going, "Man, is that you playing on that? Man, I was in London, blah blah blah, and I heard <laughs> shit blowing up, and you know, so it was really, really, it was it was in incredible, yeah, incredible. They they had already had some hits. 
Yeah, you know, yeah, I mean, they they had had some hits, but nothing of that magnitude. No, oh no, 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 you know? no, no, no. And no. you know, the, the interesting thing is that you know, it, uh, when I put those guitars down, they came a little bit later uh -huh. after when we we're like listening back, and really, there was a bit of pushback. They they didn't get it. Oh, seriously? Wow. They, you know, and uh -huh. I just did an interview for um, Washington Post a uh -huh. few weeks ago. Yeah. Because uh, they're doing a whole thing on, on, on Run DMC. Yeah. And uh, the writer <laughs> of the article, uh, um, uh, they reached out to me and asked me to, uh, you know, speak with him. Mm -hmm. Because apparently Run had told them, well, the first thing that scared us was, wasn't the Aerosmith marriage, you know, of uh -huh. Walk This Way. It was... Yeah. Rock box, yeah. King of Rock, because when we first heard that, it kind of scared us, yeah. you know. Yeah. And uh, yeah. and uh, but <laughs> that's a good way to be scared. I tell you. Yeah, <laughs> I really. Mean, I mean, it was really kind of iconic looking back, and yeah. it was it was great fun. The whole the whole process of making that was really yeah. a lot of fun, yeah. and, and it, it was it was magical. All their records were fun. Yeah, yeah, they were fun. Oh, you be Ellen. Come on. <laughs> it was a can of dog food. You know? <laughs> All that stuff. But now, were you with Blondie before or after or during Rapture? It was after Rapture. Okay. It was, uh, it was our, I guess, the, uh, what was the name of the uh, tracks? I forgot the name of the uh -huh. album. Yeah. Tracks Across America? I think that was the name of the tour that we did. Ah, okay. And, uh, and uh, at that time, it was a real interesting time uh, with Blondie. Uh, they had parted ways with their previous guitarists, Frankie and Fante. Uh -huh. They had this new album that was coming out. They hadn't toured in several years. And Chris, um, uh, Debbie's partner at the time, uh -huh. uh, uh, and principal guitarist, was, yeah. uh, he was really under the weather. Oh. So uh, we, we did a tour of the East Coast primarily. Uh -huh. We were supposed to go to the West Coast and go to uh, Asia and Australia. But that never developed. I think Chris, uh, ha happily, I'm, I'm so glad that he's, he recovered from his illness. He's doing yeah. great. Yeah. You know, but that was an wow. interesting experience. Yeah. yeah. Huh. Um, that, that was also post, of course, that was post CBGB and that whole scene was gone. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah it was, yeah. you know, it was a really interesting thing when I think about at that time. There was, there was a, a new thing happening and I think they got caught in the. Yes. You know, because. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Duran Duran was opening up for us, right? And uh, I, I was checking, you know, because I know I had heard they they weren't really very well known in the states, but there was a there was an undercurrent, you know. Uh -huh, uh -huh. And you know, the younger generation they they find their own thing. Yes. You know, youth serves youth. Right. And youth decides what's hip. Yeah. You know, I don't care. I don't care what anybody says. True. <laughs> you know, and um, so I'm looking at their merchandising and their T-shirts and. And the Blondie t-shirts were tracks across America, and it was really kind of hokey. Oh. It was this. It, it just didn't. It didn't. It just didn't. Didn't pencil. Yeah. You know, it, it just didn't make sense to me. And yeah. I'm I'm looking at Duran, and they have this beautiful artwork with this couture kind right. of vibe, with this really right. sexy woman and airbrushed on this yeah. t-shirt yeah. that just really seemed to be commensurate with the times. Yeah. You know, yeah. and it was just yeah. this shift. As if yeah. there wasn't enough thought put into what, you know, Blondie was doing relative to their merchandising. And, was, it, you know. was it too punk? No, it wasn't punk. It was oh. just, it was, just wrong. I wish it was punk. <laughs> I wish it was punk. I understand. It was, it just, it, it, it just didn't, it just didn't, it, 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 it just didn't gel yeah. with what they were. Yeah, yeah. So what was it like? You were, you were just, a lot of the time, you were just on call. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Uh, you, uh, yeah. yeah it's really hot? interesting. A year before I worked with, uh, with, with Blondie, I was yeah. just finished like a, a, a two-year touring thing with Stanley Clark and George Duke. Yeah. Yeah. So... <laughs> <laughs> wow. So when I think about it, um, yeah. you know, that was going from one extreme musically, uh, music, you know, yeah. uh, vibe-wise to, yeah. to the other. And I, I love them both the same, you know. The interesting yeah. thing with Blondie was, is, is, is there certain, certain nights where it was magical and it was killing. Yeah. I don't think we really found a continuity that every night that, was, uh -huh. that we meet a, met a certain standard. And that's the thing that kind of, yeah. um, you know, Certain nights it was just okay, and certain nights yeah. it was incredible. Yeah, yeah. You know, but so did you play School Days? Oh, with Stanley? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm talking about my. I'm talking about Blondie. No, I know. Yeah, I yeah. know you are. Oh, with, yeah, with Stanley. Working with Stanley and George was yeah. just like that. Was really one of one of the great periods of of education for me. Yeah. I'd have to include Lenny White because we right. I did three records with Lenny. Lenny yeah. White in twenty nine. Twenty nine. Yeah. And I I wrote him a note recently. I I just really thanked him. Uh -huh. Because, you know, he had all this incredible talent. He had Don Blackman, he had Nick Morag, he had Barry Johnson uh, on bass, and, and uh, Denzel Miller and Don Blackman on keyboards. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. These people are just supreme talent, but we were just, we, we, we were just crazy young nuts, yeah, you know? And, yeah, yeah. and the way that, it, and, and he had to be, you know, he had to be kind of like a disciplinarian, kind of like uh -huh. really kind of uh -huh. keep us in check and kind of like have us focus because we were, uh -huh. we were, you know, we were a million miles a minute in terms of what we were, you know, feeling and expressing. And, yeah. and uh, yeah. he was really, it was really a higher education working with Lenny uh -huh. and then my tenure with, with uh, Stanley Clark. Yeah. And George Duke. Yeah, you had to play school it was, days. It was, oh yeah, we played school had days. To play. it was, oh, it was killing. I don't know. So every night it was killing, and yeah. and the thing that Stanley and George, uh, it's like no ego. Really? There's no, it's no, it's wow. no ego. These cats are icons, you know. They don't yeah. need to flex. Right. You know, they're very right. confident. They understand yeah. who they are and what they are in terms of the yeah. the historical mm -hmm. aspect of of what they contributed. You know, so there was everything was. I think it was cool. It was just so fucking cool. Yeah. It's like, yeah. well, you know, it says, what, what do you want me, how do you want me to approach this? Well, Eddie, the tunes go like this. Do your thing to it. Do your own thing. <laughs> so, you know, yeah, yeah. What, what that tells me is that I'm not going to half step on whatever anybody, you know, asks me to do in terms of if they're giving me this, this honor to like put myself onto these tunes and interpret it how I want to do it. Yeah. You know, well, they're jazz cats. Yeah, yeah, they're jazz cats. Yeah. You know? yeah. And, oh man, just it was. We had so much fun. Uh -huh. We had so much fun with that band. Denzel Miller, and, uh, and and Stanley and George, myself, and uh, Gordon Peake on drums. Uh -huh. uh, it was just it, we kicked a lot of ass, man. I don't know if you were there, but f four or five years ago, when Chick Corea, Stanley Clark, and Lenny White played the Aladdin Theater. I was there. Were you there? Yes. Do you remember when somebody requested School Days? <laughs> and they all cracked up, and then Stanley started playing the, the opening licks. Right, right, right. And then stopped. And then stopped, exactly. And everybody, yeah. And everybody was disappointed. Oh, no, I, I thought that was a great concert, too. It man. was. It was really, yeah. it, I think it's one of the closest things to really, because Stanley was playing upright. Yeah. And uh, I think there were barely any mics on. Mm -hmm. But for Chick's piano, it was very. It was a very special show. It was. Yeah. It was. Yeah. But that that was one moment. I just. Oh yeah. I'll never forget that one. Yeah. Um, so uh, 
where where were you? What was what was your um, participation in the in the? How did you feel about disco? <laughs> how did I feel about disco? Yeah, you know, it's really when I think about the '70s and in New York. Yeah, disco was everywhere. I mean, it yeah. was ubiquitous. It right. was just like right. you know, it was just everywhere. But I I didn't have a problem with it. I I I, uh-huh. I didn't because I, I thought a lot of it was really pretty decent music and what Sheik mm-hmm. were doing back in those days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. and you th- you know, I mean, what the Bee Gees were doing. It's just like, I mean, gosh, how deep is your love? That's a badass tune. Uh-huh. I mean, this is a beautiful composition. I mean, to this day, you listen to it, and it's like, wow, that is a really well-crafted pop song. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. And um, I was really happy. You know, I, pl- I played on the first Chic album. Did you? Yeah, I played wow. on um, Everybody Dance. Really? Yeah. Wow. And uh, I remember when they were making that record. And, you know, see, now Rogers lived around the corner from me huh. in the Bronx. We went uh-huh. to William Howard Taft. Uh-huh. together uh-huh. and uh, Bernard Edwards lived up the street from me w- but I didn't know that until years later <laughs> you know and um, so uh, I was I was so happy for them because I mean when I think about what their their um, rise to stardom was really kind of unique in the fact that they produced their records they composed their records uh-huh. and they were the artists and they also owned their music oh so when those records took off, it it was it it was I mean it was a juggernaut. Yeah. And uh, yeah. I was so happy for them because they're friends of mine, you know. Yeah. And I just yeah. loved seeing people succeed. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I had no qualm. I, you know, I was I was I was an ardent rocker. I was playing with Nona Hendrix back in those days, right. man. I had the throw <laughs> out to here and had the Marshall stacks. Yeah, and, yeah. And you know, and you know these these disparate kind of spheres of music uh-huh. were able to kind of like I was able to meander through all this stuff I was playing in punk bands in the late 70s yeah. and playing CBGB's uh-huh. and, and all that and then doing the Blondie thing and I mean it's all music yeah you know? I, I think that you know that, that that's basically a function of, of marketing and fans mm-hmm. fans are really the only people who really really give a fuck mm-hmm. about it's not this isn't whatever it is right right you know uh, you know, I, I remember the first time I played um, the Delphonics on KMHD years oh, ago. Man. You'd have thought I had killed Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> but it's, you know, I mean, uh, uh, oh, man, it's just a song. <laughs> oh, it's, oh, man. I mean, the f- gosh, the tenor singing the falsetto on that stuff. Oh, I, the, the, sick, I know that, like, but you know, the point was yeah. it, wasn't, it wasn't jazz. Yeah, right. Jazz. You know. Yeah, my household was filled with, with so much music. I yeah. mean, you know, my, my parents are from Puerto Rico. Yeah. And so there was a lot Did of... Did they play? Uh, pardon? Did they play? No, no, they didn't play. They're just wow. music yeah, lovers. Yeah, yeah. I understand yeah. that. Yeah. And um, so there was a lot of Tito Rodriguez and Tito Puente yeah. and, you know, yeah. Uh, yeah. Machito, Eddie Palmieri, uh-huh. yeah. and uh, Joe Cuba, and, you know, and yeah. all, all the classics. To me, I think that the, 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 the 60s you know, up until the early 70s is really a classic era for, for Latin music. Yeah. We used to listen to Symphony Sid in New York who, uh-huh. like on Sundays, uh-huh. was playing all Latin and stuff. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, and so we had that and my, you know, my brothers had Tony Bennett, Stan Getz, and, you know, uh-huh. uh, uh, Sun Ra, you know, Bob Sun Dylan, yeah, yeah. Sketches of Spain, Miles, and right. I had Hendrix, and, you know, so we were just, it was a mishmash of, yeah. of just good stuff. Did you start on guitar? 
Uh, I, I started on French horn. Really? Yeah. Wow. French horn Jeez. in uh, junior high school. Can you still play it? No, no. I used to drive my mom nuts with the mouthpiece, <laughs> just trying to get, you know, getting my, my tones together. <laughs> but it's still my favorite horn. I what could you do French if somebody horn. handed you one right now? I think I'd be able to get a tone out there of it. Yeah, okay. yeah. Oh, absolutely. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you can probably play anything. Uh, I don't know about that, but, I, you know, I'd give it a try. Yes. I'd that. <laughs> but yeah, that when did you switch to guitar? How old were you? Oh, gosh, you know. I think I was around 12 or 13. Really? Yeah. And uh, what was your I, first guitar? Oh, my dad saved up. I, mean, we come from, I come from humble beginnings, man. Yeah. We lived up in a five-story walk up in the yeah. South Bronx. I understand. My dad saved up quite a while to get me my first acoustic guitar. Wow. And I played that until it literally fell apart. <laughs> and I uh, got this book uh, called Easy Guitar Method. E I remember that. Easy Guitar Method. Yeah. And then, easy. Yes, easy. And then I remember, I think it was, um, I think it was Cousin Brucey on WABC. WABC. Yeah. And um, he had this thing that if you sent in 25 cents, I think, um, you'd get this golden beetle book. And it was just like, a, just a, a book of, of a bunch of beetle tunes. And I sent away and I, I got it, you know, and, and that was my first entrance into playing guitar and then wow. I wanted to get an electric guitar so bad and my dad saved up for a lot longer and I got yeah. my first electric and wow. a, a guitar and amplifier he bought in a pawn shop downtown and, uh -huh. and I think about that man it's just like holy cow it's just amazing uh, did, did uh, they see you uh, yeah yeah go, yeah, yeah uh, my dad got to see me play on stage with LaBelle he got to see me oh, on the Tonight great. Show and all bunch of TV and Boy. and uh, so um, uh, that was really as a uh, proud father. Yeah, was yeah, and my mom yeah, too. Yeah. You know, <laughs> and uh, so very special, very special. Yeah, that, uh, yeah, I yeah. feel feel very very blessed. Yeah, to have have been able Boy. to do some cool things right <laughs> off the get go. I'm just doing 22 years old, and I'm doing the share show with LaBelle. You know, it's just <laughs> like, you know, it's like <laughs> you know it's, it's, it's fun stuff. So, uh, um, have you 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 still get calls, right? Uh, uh, for what? Uh, to, to sessions? To sessions? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I could still yeah. get calls for sessions, but yeah. my my mindset is is in a different place. Uh, it's it's, huh. it's right now. It's about culturing myself as an artist uh -huh. and putting my music out there. Huh. Yeah. Um, okay. uh, you know, the days of being a, a chameleon or being a session player. Um, I, I don't know whether I want to endeavor that to the degree that I did back then. Now it would have to be somebody that you know uh, or really wanted to play with. No? Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, yeah, something yeah. that I felt that would be really interesting, challenging. Yeah, or yeah, or yeah. Uh, just a good friend that I would do it for. What nothing. what yeah. after all this? What challenges you? What challenges me? Yeah. Oh gosh, I challenge myself with my own music. You know, oh, sometimes okay. it's like you know, yeah. it's like I'm really hard on myself, and I really want to do things that are special, and just you know, in, in the studio last night, you know, it's like. And I was talking about this, you know, afterwards. It's, it's, you know, it, you got to find the magic. Yeah. You got to find the magic. Yeah. You know, I'm yeah. just not gonna, I'm, I'm not gonna plug in and punch and play lick number fifty-three, on yeah. here. You know, yeah. I need to find something that's really appropriate. I need to find a sound that's appropriate, and really, really find a part and just a, something to elevate. You know, and that's what I love about doing that. And what, mm -hmm. and what, and I've been doing it for other people. Now mm -hmm. I'm just really focusing on doing it for that's myself. Great.
You know? Well, you know, if, if you're not your own worst critic, you're not, you're not really doing the job. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I'm hard on myself on this record. Yeah. I'm, I'm pushing the envelope yeah. and really, really trying to find um, um, my, my voice in 2016. Yeah. You know. But, I, I, but, I, but you do have guys there that you, that, that, that you trust and, and admire who will tell you, no, man, that was really good. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, absolutely. Yeah. And you want those kind of people around you. You have to, yeah. yeah. You, drive, you go crazy if exactly, you don't. Exactly, yeah. exactly. You want, you want that, you know, you want that criticism. Yeah, you know, yeah. You yeah. know, and uh, I'm so hard on myself that, you know, uh, you know, if I play something that I don't recall ever playing before, I'm just over the moon. Yeah. Y yeah. And yeah. if it's appropriate, yeah. you know. Right, you know, right, yeah. For, 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 for the song or the piece of music. Uh -huh. Yeah, that's a good feeling. You've had those moments during the recording of this album? Yes, I have. Oh, boy. Yeah. So I'm, I'm thrilled about that. Yeah. Well, we're going to look for that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now you've you, you got everybody want, uh, waiting for it. <laughs> that's going to be great. Well, um, uh, are, are you doing any, any live gigs anytime? I, I saw I saw on Facebook today JD from from, right. from J Max saying hey man where are you, where you been yeah just been man I just been you know arc welding and you know in the trenches making uh, making this record and uh, I'm gonna start you know uh, booking some dates yeah. uh, for the band yeah. uh, this this spring and, and through the summer yeah you know and I'm hoping to go to L A and cut a cut a couple of more tracks really yeah you huh know, gonna get uh, Charlie Drayton and and uh, Will Lee, uh, maybe to play on some tracks, you know, so, and Jeff Bova as well. Yeah. yeah that'll yeah. be like a second phase to this LP. Wow. And then just add maybe a couple more songs to what I already have, and, and uh, I'll be happy, you know. Do you have a governor? <laughs> <laughs> Somebody to tell you, hey, man, you got it. <laughs> uh, yes, I do have a governor. Good. I, I've, I've, I've grown up. <laughs> All right, man. Well, thanks a lot. I appreciate oh, your time. Oh, Taking the time a to do pleasure, this. Pleasure, Tom. Really. And, uh,